the medical examiner, Mon. The beep, beep, beep abruptly awakened Dr. Obi Hardy from a deep, restful sleep. He fumbled on the bed to stand to locate and silence the disturbing disturbance. Straining in the dark, he read the digits against a glowing green display on his paper, 911. This is not the usual four digit hospital extension he was accustomed to. The clock displayed 310. This is Dr. Hardy, he said after calling the emergency number. We need a medical examiner, announced the dispatcher. OB Hardy groaned. He is one of the six physicians in Mecklenburg County who performed this service. Since he hadn't had a case in two months, he was overdue. He hurried put on some khaki pants, a t-shirt, and set on his bare feet. He a pair of toe-siders by the back door. A bit of cold night air slapped him awake as he stepped out of the door and scampered into his chilled jeep jokey. He made a quick stop at his office to retrieve the four-page CME-1 report form. A pen, the clipboard, the patch had given him a house address, so he didn't. It wouldn't be a highway for fatality. Dr. Hardy expected it would be routine. Elderly man found dead at home, with for natural causes, with no recent medical care. As he travelled down Old Cox Road, pulsating glow, but flashing light and blue lights over the horizon, Adrian told him it might be more involved. Elway Doherty approached the doctor as he closed the driver's door of his jeep. The first one's over here, he said, motioning towards the door of the mobile home. The first one, said Hardy, asked Hardy. Yep, murder-suicide. Obi Hardy sighed. I only bought one form as a frigid, Friday afternoon fairy air flowed over his ankles. He wished he bought some socks as well as a second medical examiner, as well as the second examiner's form. And Fakara lay facing up twenty feet from the front door at the at the mobile home. Her eyes were open, eagerly staring at the sky. A dark red puddle of blood extended from behind her head. An open wound was obvious on her right temple. In the centre of the blood pool, a pale yellow fragment of bone the size of a quarter caught Obi's eyes. He could feel the warmth of her body against the cold night. He places the thermometer under her right arm. It is a plastic rectangular outdoor thermometer covered by a zip-sock bag. The technique was backwards-like, but the time Obi Hardy completed his bedroom survey, he had an auxiliary temperature reading of 76 degrees to record. Witnesses' deaths, heart loss charts would help approximate the time of death. We figure she was shot at about 2-3-3, stated Johnson, the plump deputy, still standing up by Dr. Hardy. They called, they, they called me at 2.35. We're on the scene in eight minutes at 2.34-3. Deputy Harris and I found him in the yard, pacing back and forth, shaking his head. He, we asked him to drop his weapon. He just stopped and put it to his head. He weren't here two minutes before he shot himself. I began focusing on the second body, Mohammed Fakura. He paced up 
off the distance from the first body, she approached Mohammed, who lay in the opposite corner of the yard. The spotlight from the police cruiser harshly shadowed the body, facing up with a vacuous look in his eye, a handgun with his outstretched tight arm. <coughs> so you witness his shooting? <coughs> yeah, me and Wayne Harris. <coughs> Has anyone taken <coughs> photos? said Doctor <coughs> asked Doctor Hardy. Yeah, investigated <coughs> Bruce Duffer <coughs> took him. He got plenty. Johnson <coughs> gestured towards the home. home. <coughs> Doctor Hardy saw through the stone glass door. The silhouette of an officer with a camera, taking direct statements from the other people inside. Obi moved the outstretched left arm alongside the torso, putting in a, a bag, bag for a moment under the dead man's shirt in the armpit. How t- now tremendous! Obi's right rubber gloved fingers were coming cold and numb in the bitter night. Ink was reluctant to flow from his pen, which is making note making, taking awkward. As he leaned over the body, his nose nearly dripped water, the cold air. He sniffed frequently. The entrance wound was clearly identifiable on the right temple, and Obi's estimate was two centimetres in size. The exit wound involved about one-fourth of the skull on the left, broken bones paddable under the doctor's fingers. A puddle of dark burgundy blood covered the ground under, over, uh, under the head. The globs of tan and greyish, gutturious brain remnants floated in the Sagunine Sea. Chunks of pale yellow-blue, yellow-bone fragments were scattered about. Obi recorded the demographics from the, from the driver's license data. At the officer Johnson appalled from the DMV. He scanned his only CME-1 form, making sure he had collected the required information for completing the second form. Still at his office, last he retrieved his form monitor, Noting the 78 degree reading. Let me call the Richmond office, he said, retreating to his jeep. He called the answering service on his mobile bag phone and let his vehicle run to warm up until he waited for the Richmond Central District to return his call. Hardly depended on the constant bag phone because service in his real country was spotty and his roof magnet and Ontario afforded him better range. He waited for 10 minutes. Shivering and cold in his dusty jacket, no socks, finally filling in the empty blanks of the CME-1 form. The Arling Jeep seemed to share Dr. Harley's shivering, finding the office called except for both the victims for autopsy. Meanwhile, Harley did not have to collect toxicology and blood samples, a welcome break. The vehicle was now warm and backing out of the driveway. He waited Officer Duffer had emerged from the home. He drove to his office to complete the second form of Mohammed Fakhara and faxed both to Richman, making him available for the morning post-mortem exams. At 4.40am, he turned to bed to get an hour of sleepless rest before the wait day began. When he rose the second time, his body was warmed again, even if unrested. The first clothing he donned was a pair of socks. Dr. Hardy attended his opulent he hospitalised patients at a local community hospital each morning. At age 50, his daily task was a well-established routine, seven days a week. This morning, with no exception, he completed his rounds at a hospital and then headed out for his office in Brighton, the Mecklenburg County seat.
His wife, Lucy, was a nurse manager in his office. She greeted him as she arrived. After fifteen years of rural physician's wife, she was accustomed to having him being called out during the night. Where did you go last night? An M.E. case, he answered. He had left the original reports on the counter by the mail basket for her to mail. He knew that she'd read over the reports. It would save him his twenty questions to quench her curiosity. Actually, two cases, he added. Oh, she said, picking up the CMI1 forms. She scanned the reports and said, without looking up, Your first patient is in room one. Miss Caskell was his first patient. I had been Dr. Hardy's patient for fifteen years, following him to his present practice site. She missed her last appointment, and some of her twelve prescriptions had lapsed. Now her blood sugar and blood pressure were out of control. Dr. Hardy was allowing his frustrations to show. Well, I was meaning to take, make it la- last time, she explained, but I was too sick like, to kick a chicken. I think I was gaslightus, the demon us. Dr. Hardy smirked at the notion, being too sick to go to the doctor. He noted the weight, 262 pounds. Well, you're certainly not wasting away about it. As he handed her some undated, uh, updated prescriptions, he added, You've got to take the, your medicines. OK, Doc, she said with a smile. Later in the day, another hefty patient came in. Barney Wills tipped scales at 286 pounds. He was only five foot ten, seven, and lugged a massive gut where he walked. It was not strange, he always complained of knee problem, pain. He attributed it to calling under houses at the pl- as the plumber's assistant. I see, Mr. Wills, said Hardy. What doesn't seem to have lost, ha- but that doesn't seem to have lost any weight yet. I don't know why, Doc. Why, he ate yesterday was a half a sweet potato. And some green, soddy, soddy greens. Dr. Hardy knew he was referring to turnip greens. Well, this shouldn't be bad for your weight. What did you drink? Only water. Sodas swell up my sympathetic, he stated, pointing to the mid-chest and throat. The doctor knew he was lying. It would take 2,500 calories a day just to maintain his mass of living tissue. If he was eating as he described, be losing about three pounds a week. Dr. Hardy's office scales would only read up to three hundred fifty pounds. His first set had a three hundred pound capability, but he was upgraded to a higher limit of a patient busted the spring on it. Lever on it. He currently had nine or ten patients who exceeded the new scale limit. Here's refill your arthritis pain medicine. If you lose weight, you'll need to wear out and need replacing. You're carrying two times the weight God designed them to carry. All right, I'll try, said Mr. Wheels. But you know, it's hard for me to exercise. Swim, suggested Dr. Hardy. The buoyance of the foot tissue in the water would upload his joints. We live near a lake for, with 500 miles of the shoreline. I see, Mr. Wills replied half heartedly as he waddled down the hall. Later in the week, Clay... Larimore, the county sheriff, was in the office for his cholesterol check. He was tall and looked natural in a western-style hat that the county police wore. His manner was straightforward and face. Matter of fact, his age, late fifties, gave him a seasoned appearance. Did you get the autopsy reports on the fracas? 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 
Hackers yet? he inquired. No, answered Dr. Hardy. Didn't see him yet. He he knew that he might be the male pied up in his desk chair. Did you? Well, that just apparently Peter's drug laden. Obi Hardy had returned into his home down at the practice, seeking a clean rural environment to live in, raise a family. With his wife and their two daughters, he laid roots on his community. People were more likely to watch your back and stab it. Nonetheless, not, nonetheless, even in this small town of 500 residents, there was no immunity to society's drug infestation. Sure enough, the autopsy reports returned six weeks later. They showed that Amanda had tested positive for cocaine and alcohol. The shooter, Mohammed, oddly enough, showed only alcohol and beyond the legal limit. Life in Earth's most vulnerable results. It was certainly waste to see young people lives permanently cut short. The next local medical examiner's call involved the overseas person as well. The doctor stood in the home at 9pm on a Thursday night. Just out of the town of Skitwich Road, on Skitwich Road, the house is a small Montague-type building of only four rooms. Cynthia Montague, a black female weighing a massive 320 pounds, at age 41, was lying sublime, face up in the on the bed floor. There was barely room to walk around her. 